Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of East Meets West on the East Meets Surprise Retreat Podcasting Network. This is the every so often show we break down everything going on in New Japan for wrestling. And my word was a lot happening recently. I mean, if we just wanted to talk about the best of the Super Juniors, then we'd have at least an hour, hour and a bit, half's worth of content there. But we've also got to talk about Dominion. We'll briefly sail by, look at the window at Resurgence. and. We got to look ahead to some matches that have already been announced for Forbidden Door. So, plenty to delve into, just the way we like it. And joining me through this this journey of sailing to the high seas of New Japan is a man who just got off the high seas himself after <laughs> up on an all-expensive stage. Who's, who's drinking enough alcohol to make our Lord and Savior the Great Okan himself. So, it's Grant McRobbie. It was a pleasure to be here. I've dried out. I'm alive. <laughs> like Okada. I like a bit of a bit of sailing now. <laughs> we are we are the war dogs of ESSR. Absolutely, absolutely. I you'll have to be uh, Alex Coughlin then because I can only dream of of growing a, a moustache as glorious as that. <laughs> oh, brilliant! <laughs> which means I get to be Yuruka, which means like Alan Partridge, I get to say I'm from Norwich. So swings and roundabouts. Yeah, you left at a very peculiar time because I think you you left to go on your little trip. Was it the day of the finals, and then you got back the evening of June fourth, which was the day of Dominion. Aye, literally, like flying out. No, not going to see the VOSJ final until I get, ho- get until I get home. Managed to get Wi-Fi enough on the ship at, to get the the final watch while I was on the ship at night, and then managed to catch half of Dominion in the morning on the way back, and then watch the other half when I got in. <laughs> Because anyway, I, I, it was a Sunday and I was off Sunday, so like, I'm definitely going to sleep in and make sure it's up when I get there. So I get up and then I got to take the dog out for for a walk. So I get, take him out, get him settled, doing 
and then sit down and watch it. By then it's like two in the afternoon, people are people are missing. What are your thoughts on the people announced the G one? I don't I haven't fucking seen it yet. I gotta take it all in. I can't just go on Twitter and look at announcements like some people. David Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's listening. He he always listens. He always listens. Big yeah. filthy casual. <laughs> He can't get in a rickshaw anymore unless he listens to East Meets West and hears about the great O'Kan's excavates. <laughs> don't know where I fucking pulled that one from. But yeah. Let's not go into that because we're not proctologists. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you are, make sure your hands are suitably covered. You'll be taped up like the great O'Kan. But the best of the Super Juniors will, will delve right into that. A uh, big tournament... A lot of shows back to back to back. Uh, like sometimes these guys had like three, four days in a row block matches. No pre-G tags this year. So so more than the last couple of years, you have a test of endurance as they usually are with these round-robin tournament formats. So it means there's very little filler. It wasn't until the very end of the tournament we got separate nights for A block and B block. That was to determine the two who would go through. And then we had semis. And then the semis on the 26th. Finals on the twenty eighth, and then that's when we got. Now that's when we got tag matches on the undercar to move us along to Dominion. I think Grant. I'm not saying this in a critical way of the two men who went through, because where we like to do these tournament breakdowns is look at the two people who made it to the final, look at their journey, and then we'll look at everything else after that. You look at the everyone in Block A and everyone Block B. Even look back to our preview of the tournament in the last episode. You could. Think of a million different combinations of people from Abel and Mewlock who could fight each other in the, the final. I don't think Titan and Master Water was the final everyone was expecting. No, this was definitely Ghetto looking on Twitter and going, right, how can I fuck with everyone this time? <laughs> and they well and truly found a way to do it by like teasing us, teasing us with a potential final, which in my mind would have been absolutely mind-blowing. Teasing us. Absolute dirty bastard. <laughs> I know. I think we were looking at the we were looking at the big players, your Kishida, your Ishimori's Mike Bailey, Desperado, praying and hoping that Hermo didn't win it for a fifth year in a row or whatever Mary's on now as and win it as champion. But I think the whole point of this tour and the way they've done it is these two were it was like the first and second highest point scores in each round fight and then they fight the uh, someone from the next one. So these two are both the second place in each block. So I think it was a case of the theme of the tournament. Everyone's focused on the big players. Well, these two are quietly stacking up win after win after win. And then the two second place people actually end up going through to the final. So it was a really smart way you think of it to subvert expectations. Yeah, totally subverting expectations by, as you say, putting your, your second place guy in each one against the first place of the other block and then just going. You thought you were going to get Mike Bailey and Desperado, but guess what? You're not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's still time at some point to get that, but you know, I, I hold out hope. So, sadly, Desperado, who was uh, the person I was kind of pulling for, uh, saying like I didn't feel like he, if he doesn't win it this year, he might never win it as junior because he's done everything else, but alas, he didn't. But let's look at both men's tournaments. We'll start with Master Watto. Because I did have him pegged as a potential second place person to maybe go to the semis because they seem to be really 
high on Wattle ever since. He got that one over Ishimori last year. But I did not have him paid to win, especially when I saw he was going to go up against Mike Bailey. But what did you make of Master Wattle's uh, tournament? Wattle, like, he had a, let's face it, he had an absolutely phenomenal run in the tournament with his only two losses coming to Desperado and Yo. It's, mm-hmm. And he, he had a pretty, I mean, looking at his, his block, yeah, he had a couple of giveaways like Boucher um, and really well Kanemaru, but fucking hell. I mean, he just went and tore through everyone. Absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like, it seems to have been a slow burn with, with him since we've started going back in the cheating crowds because he had him beat Ishimor in that non-title match go on to Wrestle Kingdom in the forward where it even looked like at certain points he could actually win the title and then he comes over the best two years and has a run better than anyone was expecting. Personally, my favourite match of his was the main event match, I believe it was maybe the 19th, on the 19th of May, where he fought Robbie Eagles because all the Eagles was on commentary like a day or so before we came and I just saw him be like, I don't know what it is about him, I just, I just can't stand that guy. And so, yeah, two guys legit did Felt like they just didn't like each other, just going hell for leather. Aye, so I would agree with you on that. It was an absolutely stellar match. Um, really, Wato has been, you know, we've talked about it quite a few times in the past, and it's kind of felt like he came back with the whole way of the Grandmaster. It's like, what is the way of the Grandmaster? Then he had really piss poor booking at points. Mm-hmm. Then he's coming out of nowhere and just absolutely fucking went through the competition. It's like, where's this guy been hiding? <laughs> no. I did feel like they had big plans for him in the junior division, like from the beginning, but the fact that the way circumstances panned out, they did have to come out uh, in front of no fans and just, it, it, I think that, that stopped them a little bit, but then with cheering crowds, then they went full force with him and you even hear it as the tournament went on, there were very loud Watto chants uh, throughout the tournament, but like you said, like losing to like Desperado. It's not a bad way to go, especially given that uh, Desperado was going to be in the finals or semi-finals as well. But, yeah, also like that Kiwi Kelly kind of shut up about his criticism that he's had about Wall for the last two years because it feels like, I remember watching these matches and he kept making mistakes, like he'd go for he's like the TDD off the top rope and he's like, oh, he keeps making mistakes, he's listening to this person, oh, why are you not finished enough? Like, he's just going to keep criticising what he does in every tournament until he wins it. And then it turns out like, oh, now this is the year he finally seems to, to turn it around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, he's, he's clearly been listening. He's like, you know what, Kevin? Fuck you. It's <laughs> happening this year. I mean, you, you look at B-Block and the way that ended pretty much, like both Watto and Desperado on 14 points apiece, only two, two blemishes in each record. It's fucking impressive. I know, and considering you had Kanemaru who recently got a solid show against uh, Hiromu, you had Akira, who you can tell are going to do great things with in the future, and you had Robbie Eagles, or a junior weight champion, as well as some guys in the Stuart block who weren't going to win it, but you could tell they were basically, this was maybe their showcase, and I'm talking about your Clark Connors and your Dan Maloney's. So, Dan. 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 <laughs> it was a, some fierce competition for a while in there. I'd also love that he really emphasised it during this tournament. Using that elevated German as his finisher, as opposed to all these other moves, he's trying to like, he's trying to create some new looking moves. But at the end of it, he's just gone back to here's something very simple. Here's a really high looking German suplex, and I drop people right on their fucking neck. That's that should do the trick. We we say that comes from the Kota Ibushi school. 
of next destruction. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure I'm, it may have been the final of the semis where he does look like he's going to do, when he had a, his opponent on the apron, he climbed up on the ropes, looked like he was going to do that very scary-looking German that, you know, obviously tried to kill Naito several times with. Still never managed to do it. Naito still lives. <laughs> but then we go over to Tita and, and A-Block and... Uh, not a bit competition in that one because you also had like it was seen to be a three horse race for most of it and neither of those three horses were Titan. It was Leo, Bailey and Ishimori. And I wonder if Ishimori might have went through it had he not suffered that very unfortunate injury towards the very end of the tournament because he was putting in a better performance and was seemingly being put over more on commentary in this tournament than in the times he entered the tournament as, as champion. And I think in kayfabe it was a case of he was being got a fire lit under him because he's in he's in David Philly's new bullet club where he's expected to you know deliver. Aye, that's it. It was it, you can see it from the stats and the, just the way the figures ended up. It was a very like top like the top half of A block was a big. Hmm, actually, anyone could come away with this. Even fucking Hiromu had me worried a couple of times thinking he was going to get to the finals again. <laughs> but. Tita and like some of my favorite matches, him or like said, like TJP, they two had a, a really great match together. Uh, I think the first indication that he might, you know, be a contender in here was on night four, I think it was, where he beat Kushida, and we'll get to Kushida in a minute. But we didn't realize the run Kushida was about to have. But he taking a few losses, like oh yeah, he lost to, you know, he lost to our boy Doki, but then he lost to like where two other guys he's like whatever. Then Tita got the win. I'm like oh. Something's going on here. Either they're really high on Tito and are very low on Kushida, but maybe it was a mix of both. I, that was a, that was a really really weird thing. As you say, we'll get to that. But for Tito, it is it came out of the blue like the just that that build of it. And even when you look at the length of his matches as well compared to a lot of others, he has a single match really that goes well above ten minutes. He's got like eleven minutes, twelve, ten minutes, twenty three, and everything else is under ten minutes. Nice, brisk, to the point. Gedo's getting some points in my book for not overbooking like every single match to be 25 minutes, as he's sometimes guilty of doing in the past with these tournaments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he... Like, it, it seemed to be like only the top two would really go over like that really effort... Like, well, not effort, but like, they went they veered towards the 50 or so minute level in the top two matches because... Those are really the two that you should be focused on because that's when the top two, the potential favourites or the upsets could happen in the tournament. So, yeah, his longest match was 16 minutes, like 16 and a half minutes, and that was against Hiromi, his stablemate and the junior heavyweight champion, which he got the win in, which was another surprise. So the signs were there that he was going to pull through. But as I said, I thought Ishimori or Bailey would be the top two, and they were actually the only two people that Titan lost to in this tournament. So... Before I got to the semis, so that's nothing to be snapped at either. Yeah, and I mean, you look at like Hiromu's only losses. It's it's like Titan just had such a good run. Let's let's be honest, he had a he performed better than I expected. I went into this going, he's still alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, and yeah, Hiromu only suffered three losses here to Leo Rush, Mike Bailey, and again as I mentioned, Titan. So. It's an interesting one when the, the champion goes in because you really hope the champion doesn't win it. Because unless you've got a really good story plan about them choosing their opponent, then 
then you really shouldn't have it done, especially given Hiroma doesn't need another Best Super Juniors win under his belt. But like you also got to make sure if they're going to lose it to somebody who you, when they do lose, you make sure it's important and people take notice of it because when they lose, like, okay, that guy's probably going to get to at least the semis. Aye, that's certainly, it was just, I, I mean, it's an absolute mad love for the, the big surprises in this BOSG, which I went into going, that's a pretty fucking good lineup. Yeah. And then yeah, it's I remember. Like, ooh, good matches. Holy fuck, this is booking I did not expect. I know, because like, after we talk about Kushida and the finals and Kushida, I usually put like, oh, favorite matches moments, like who surprised you? Really, I can't think of anybody, with the exception of one or two, who didn't surprise me or didn't. I wasn't entertained by. Because I think, given this is the first Best of Super Juniors with cheering crowds since 2019, that really put it up a level above me. I may look back at a couple of years and went, hey, it was good, but maybe not as great as I remember. Because I think having these good matches plus the crowd reaction to fit, fit with them really elevated this to a new level over the last couple of years. Yeah, that's it. They've really... We've, we've been through the pandemic era. We've seen them coming out of the pandemic era. There's something about this year in particular feels to be one of the best they've had in a long time in regards to how this year has panned out for big shows, the tournament so far. This is... Honestly, it's just we were spoiled with this tournament. We really were. Yeah. It's amazing, like, this fucking podcast, like, started, like, East Meets West started, like, a few episodes, we had a few episodes of crowds, and then the joy of it up until, like, early last year was, like, the clap crowd pandemic era, so almost the entirety of that era has, has been covered here on East Meets West. That's it. We, we endured some dark times. Yeah. And now we have the light. Yeah. This is why when we talk about, oh, we love it, getting to hear the crowds, like, you can tell that's the case because we couldn't hear them vocally for two and a bit years covering the show, no matter how many good matches there were, there was always something that felt a bit off, and you didn't have those full cheering crowds. But yeah, I didn't expect Watto to get the win over Mike Bailey, and like when he kicked out of the ultimate weapon near the end, I really took notice there, and then... I was like, oh, I literally said it like, oh, fuck, when he hit that German and pinned Mike Bailey in a hell of a match, I should say. And then the actual main event of that other series was Titan versus Desperado. And actually, I think we might have got to see in last year's B Block. This was the series year. And it was less predictable, this one, I thought, than the uh, going into. Like, I thought, I didn't think it was as predictable, the Titan versus Desperado, because. You know, before that, I'd had my expectations shattered when Wall beat Bailey. So I thought either this could go either way, but I thought the most likely one was like, maybe it'll be Desperado and Water, maybe there'll be two from the same block, because I'll make it less predictable if Water goes, if Water goes through, because what way would be to beat Desperado on his way to the Super Junior final? But they're like, no, it's going to be, it's gonna be, it was T Tan that won it. You had Woody, all of LIG out there to support him, which is something they started doing now since Sonata left. And yeah, he's really been getting that double stomp and his submission over. Uh, I think of the two finals, I preferred the Tita and Desperado match only by a little bit. And I think it really cemented, like, here, here's two fresh new guys in terms of the Super Juniors. Here's two guys who haven't done the finals a hundred times. This, here's a final that you might not see where it's going. That's it. It was, it was a very interesting setup. And to me, the gamble has paid off. I definitely think it's paid off big time. It got people talking. Mm-hmm. I, I, but I remember going into it, I was like, like, oh, 
Here's what I was gonna win. It looks like it's what I'm actually gonna win best is to be news because like Titan, I didn't think he was gonna win any or I didn't think they were gonna do a, like an LIG, LIG, like junior heavyweight title match at Dominion, like I don't think you need any infighting in any LIG so soon after Sonata's just left. But there was a moment, I think it was a second double stomp that Titan got on Watto, where actually they made me forget I thought it was predictable for a second, then like, oh shit. Maybe they are going to do LIG v LIG. Oh, is Titan going to win it? Like, oh crap, I shouldn't say that. Oh crap. Oh, and the Oh, it's hard to say. But, it was a hell of a fight between those two. Like I said, it was, it, it, was a, it was the right length. It didn't feel like it, it was big enough for our Super Junior Five. I didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome. And, like, fair play to Watto. And like they told the story of basically how far both guys have come. Like Watto went and excursion in Mexico, came back. Well, like, Titan also wrestles in Mexico, came out with the Mexican flag, and now he's been kind of accepted by the Japanese fans. So they all have a story. There's also when they did that VT and they showed Watto's debut, I thought like fuck, I forgot. Jesus, I don't really like his ring gear now, but Jesus, it's a lot better than it used to be. I forgot how bad it used to be. Oh yeah, some things, some things would just get used to shit. It's like, wait a minute, why did we accept this? <laughs> who, who approved this? Look, look at this colour, look at this pattern. Fucking Austin Powers wouldn't even be seen dead in this. <laughs> Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> but also, I think the big, the key to the success of Bloody Master All recently has been like, the less blue his hair gets, the more serious he starts wrestling. Because <laughs> his hair's not as bright blue as it used to be, it's a lot darker. Because when he does come out in that shitty get up with his bright blue hair and everything, you're like, how am I meant to take this guy seriously? There's absolutely no chance, but nope, they found a way. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did find a way. He had, t- he had Tenzan in his corner, which is cool. And he's, but he's, the fact that he's been using the TTD, uh, uh, the, Tenz- the like, Tenzan tombstone, as a setup move to kind of set up for his. He's a top rope move as well. It's really cool. Also, I like that he's been kind of implementing some other Hontai memory moves. Like, I think, was it, did he not at one point do like, but he had the machine gun chops that, that uh, Kojima does? And then he yelled the uh, the word that they can't repeat on commentary that he does as well in Japanese. <laughs> it was absolutely incredible. I was not expecting it, but yes, it worked. It, it certainly worked a hell of a final, as I said. Watto got the win. He's the winner of uh, this is Super Junior Theory. As I've heard some people refer to on online as Kevin Kelly and Chris Allen talked about it, it's Watto Mania running wild. Better than fucking Honma Mania, I could tell you that. <laughs> yeah, what was your reaction when you saw Master Watto uh, get the win here? I was honest, because of the final, I was like, honestly, I don't know what to feel when this goes through. And then it just it turned out to be so much fun it was just mm. absolutely incredible mm. okay, so I, the match itself exceeded my expectations I didn't know what to expect from it mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> because, like it was a hell of a fight I felt happy for for what although it was also interesting that uh, Hiromu came out to be in T-Town score but like, he got like that front row look uh, who his challenger was going to be for Dominion as, as happy as I was for Water, I remember saying thing like, oh, well done, pal. You haven't got a hope of hell of beating Hiromu, but well done. <laughs> like, well, 
well, you, you deserve something, so at least you get a nice trophy. I'm not saying you'll you, you never be Junior Herbert Chavez, I just didn't think it was going to come at this point. Not yet. Not today, Watto. Not today. It is amazing because I think Kevin Kelly even pointed out on commentary that like his last best of Super Juniors like in 2022 came into it as one half of the Junior Tide Champs but didn't have the best performance and then like, like less than a month after the tournament he and Buddy Kushida I know Kushida had to drop the tag titles to uh, catch 22 so he's come a long way in that uh, since last year it's really good when you can actually see the long term multi-year development of characters and which used to be something that New Japan was really good at and I feel I'm glad to see they're seemingly getting back to that Aye, definitely this this has been a good a good turnaround for a lot of people and some of the newer guys that are showing up as well definitely making a good presence right from the get go so you know, it's, it's exciting. We've got people getting payoffs now. We've got potential setups for what I could see years to come, looking particularly at Akira, for example. So mm. it's it's big. Uh, uh, not to jump to, to Dominion, but there was a line that Kevin Kelly said on commentary at Dominion that I want to repeat here because it will nicely take us into our next bit of the Super Juniors coverage. What the hell has happened to Gashita? Yes, we need to talk about that because what the actual fuck? <laughs> this man was uh, the benchmark for juniors after Liger, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like, and a tournament that also includes Taguchi, no offence Taguchi, but your whole series this thing was not as intriguing as you might have hoped you were. I found most of your matches fairly boring. A tournament that featured Taguchi, show. You know, and you know people like that. Fucking Kishida was the first one to be to be mathematically eliminated in this tournament, which is like, I I I popped I won't lie I popped when Doki beat him on night one in Corrigan Hall because you know Doki I thought I thought for a brief second it's it's Doki's year this is Doki's year and we beat him in like eight and a half minutes as well. Then he lost to like Leo Rush and I'm like okay that's fair enough. Then he lost to Tea Time like. Huh, interesting. Uh, he finally got a win over Mike Bailey. He's like on his like fourth or fifth match in, so that, that was not a good sign for his you know run. But I thought like maybe as Kevin Kelly pointed out, well maybe he'll do a, a yo a couple of years ago and lose his first couple and then go on a hell of a run and get to the semis. Nope, lost to Ishimori, TJP, pretty much to even lost to Taguchi who I mentioned before. Thankfully, he beat Sho. I mean, at least they wouldn't do that to him. So, yeah, he beat Sho and he beat Mike Bailey. And that's it. And as funny as it was, he's lost to Hiromu, which was the ma- one of the matches that Kushida had that I was looking forward to most. He lost by count out. I know. Wait, what the actual fuck? <laughs> I know. Like, I don't even know how. I'm sure you're telling a story of it. Maybe he's, he's been away for a year. He got the hand, foot, mouth thing as well, and maybe he's losing a step. But like, when, I, when two months ago he was booked in a semi-main for the Impact World Title, and at least had solid effort against Steve Mackley, even though he lost, wins a junior titles, and it's a case of okay, now you can't buy a win. It's it's, it's like the ghetto just like lure him into a false sense of security and be like, oh yeah, you went to WWE, fuck you. 
You know, I've, I've literally seen people online say, are they punishing Kashida for leaving? It bloody feels like it. I know. Because like, his last one was in like 2018. So it's been like five years since the last one. Fucking Kevin Knight got three wins, which isn't that much either for one half of the junior tie chance. But he still he still got more points than Kishida did. So this whole this like multiple losses for Kishida isn't like well, I'm not saying it's bad enough on its own, but the fact that this was happening to one half of the junior heavyweight tie team champions as well was maybe not a good look. I know, and it's like when you look at how bad his run was, and it's like Kevin Knight. You could you could at least give Kevin Knight a bit of a buy on his side. You know, he is still kind of only out of young lion stage and things like that. So, you know, that's kind of understandable. Six isn't the worst. It's it's not worse. But they then have like essentially one of your most decorated ever junior heavyweights come in, come out with only four points. Somebody shit the bed. Oh yeah, I mean. You look at the B block that Kevin Knight was in, that was pretty much the young boy kind of block, the young guys like coming out of the because you had him and Connors, Don, Dan Maloney, Akira. And like when Kevin Knight, he got that win over Clark Connors. Or sorry, no, he lost to Clark Connors and then in the first match and the first night of the tournament. And then you got to see what this new version of Clark Connors would be like because after the match, he fucking, oh, he, he beat that boy good. Absolutely. Whipped him. Mm. Absolutely. So, but it does has set up some uh, quite a few challengers now for the junior tag titles, and the scene is getting more and more interesting. As we'll talk about when we get to the menu for the junior tag titles, which is a welcome change when it was basically Rapongi 3K, then to ELP and Ishimori, then Desperado, then Desperado and Kanemaru rinse repeat between those three for like at least a good six months or so. That we had like in 2021 or so, so I'm happy for that. But we'll come back uh, to them and at least with these many new teams, bloody Super Junior Tally should be a belter this year. Oh yes, definitely. Well, like, let's look at everybody else here. Like, we'll not go everybody's individual run because I don't think we have the time for that. But like, as I said, there were very few people who didn't. Don't impress me other than like your Kishidas, your Taguchis. They kept trying to tease you that Show would see the error of his ways, but that never happened. <laughs> but I was really hoping that he'd split him with evil. I was really hoping they'll lure me into a false insecurity of the bastards. Especially that match with him and Ishimori as well. That's even I bought into that one. But who are some of your standouts in terms of their performance and tell me some of your favourite matches? For standouts, I have to say Akira had a really fucking good tournament for me in, in regards to his match quality. While he didn't get that many wins in particular, even though it was a long match, I absolutely fucking loved his match with Desperado. Absolutely loved it. And also Leo Rush. I have to give him. Fantastic. And him vs Bailey. Holy shit. Uh, that was that was the one I was I was looking forward to when I, when I seen those two in the same line, especially as it went on and you saw that these two had started becoming the two two of the leaders in the terms of the pack and, and their points. You're thinking, okay, this is a case of like whoever which one ever you goes through in this match, you're potentially gonna win this thing for the A block. And it very nearly became Mike Bailey, but yeah, I was very much impressed with Leo's and Mike Bailey. I well, I was a big fan of Impact Wrestling. I was very excited to see what Mike Bailey would get up to. And I like that New Japan have been keeping this partnership with New with Impact Wrestling. They bring their guys over, but they make sure they don't look too weak. 
He's had like Ace Austin coming over, a solid performance in the Super Juniors when he was X Division champion. Him and Bay reached the finals of Super J, uh, J Cup, like the Tag Cup. And then we had Mike Bailey reaching all the way to the semi finals. And, you know, well, way to introduce people who watch New Japan who don't know who Mike Bailey is. Night one, main event, he beats Hiromu in the main event. I, I was like, well, they're not fucking about with Mike Bailey here. They're definitely giving us the best Mike Bailey. Yeah. He beat him in uh, 16 minutes. And I look at Hiromu's. Hiromu has only two matches that didn't go under 10 minutes. <laughs> and I think those were against Taguchi and Sho. <laughs> so, like, he, his match with TJP went fucking 20 minutes. So, if you remember LIJ. Like especially like the top members of LIJ is a case of like everyone's like, right, we need to keep this short and they're like, what the fuck is that? Like LIJ members don't wrestle less than fifteen minutes. That's it. It's like Night will probably has a conversation with him coming in, it's like, how long's your normal average match length? Twelve minutes? Get the fuck out of my stable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my face. You sicken me. Uh but I mean, Mike Bailey, he had done stuff with DDT, but he hadn't worked with New Japan before this, which in Japan, we've seen him in the US shows, so I was like, say this see him. And like, Kevin Kelly really put him over, and one great stat was, like, he, he before he entered the tournament, he was on like 67 wins in, like, in the last 365 days, because he's like pretty much everywhere. Like, he doesn't just do impact, he goes to all sorts of different, like, independent companies. Because uh, he's been making up for a lost time now that he's allowed in the US. And Gary Kelly puts as like, there are some wrestlers in New Japan whose career, who, in their career, they don't have 67 singles wins, but he's got it in the last year. It's absolutely nuts. I mean, like, you look at things like Bailey, it's like, oh, here's a Mania weekend. I wonder what Mike Bailey's going to do. Oh, seven matches in about four fucking days. <laughs> and, then, and they really set him up as the tournament career because not only can he wrestle multiple matches in a short space of time, you can wrestle multiple matches in a day. So, if anything going into this, even though this is his first Super Juniors, he was probably more well-conditioned for this kind of tournament than guys who have done this multiple times, like Taguchi and Hiromu. Mike Mike Bailey is, to me, one of the best juniors there is in the planet currently. He's he's got an exciting style, which rather than relying on that high-flying, flashy stuff... I like, I like his use of strikes, his, knee, his double knee thing, that is fucking horrific looking. Mm. Yeah. And like that kick he gets to Hiromu on the final night, on the first night in the main event before he sets up the ultimate Jesus. Like, quote Chris Tucker and Friday, you're getting that the fuck out. <laughs> that to look like it. Uh, TJP, somebody I want to give a shout to because I've, I've taken the piss out of him so often uh, for good reason. I mean, man, you're nearly 40 and you still look like you're an emo. Like, sort your head out, pal. <laughs> but I forget, especially when this tournament comes around, how good in ring he is. I think this tag team with Akita and the team in Red Empire has really like, rejuvenated TJP in a lot of ways. And like his matches with like, Titan and bloody, uh, Kushida, you were like among some of my favourites of his Aye, definitely I, f- I feel robbed 
that we never got the uh, the Ishimori match because I reckon that would have been an absolute barnstormer as well. But yeah, I mean, for the fact that we do take piss at TJP being the unofficial fifth member of Fall Out Boy, um, <laughs> it's it's hard night. The, the the man, I mean, even all the way back to Cruiserweight Classic, I was never sold in his gimmick back then at the Cruiserweight Classic, but it was undeniable the man could fucking wrestle and wrestle good. Yeah. Even even when he showed up in the cruise, that's like, I remember him. All I remember is like, oh yeah, the guy who randomly got revealed as suicide. Like, he's always been suicide. Like, no, he hasn't. <laughs> Everybody knows he's like the third or fourth guy who is suicide at this point. Uh, one of also randomly his favorite, my favorite match of DGPs was his match against Doki. Because by this point, I don't know why, but this was a match I really felt Doki could win. I really, he'd been improving upon his point average every year, and I'm like, come on. You're not just anybody now, Doki. You're one of five guys. You can do this. Just five guys. <laughs> Why did he and Kamau keep ending up in the open match? Because it felt like like year nineteen out of ten when uh, I sat down to watch a uh, show for the best Super Juniors after the big opening promo package. The first thing you hear is Takamichi Michinoku going, "So what? <laughs> so what?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What would, it, what would it sound like if Buddy, if Takamichi could try to do an impression of Taxi Virginia? Seems to be the way I went there. But speaking of just five guys, one of my favorite matches from B Block uh, was the semi main of semi main event of the first night: Kanemaru versus Desperado. Who, for a brief moment before the match, I, for, I almost forgot. Oh yeah, these guys aren't stalemates anymore. So, although they would have held back before, but this will be even more interesting. That's that the the brotherhood is over and. The divorce is settled. <laughs> Time to batter fuck at each other. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, the fact that Kanemaru actually got the win by submission as well, the figure four. What a, what a match. Aye, that, that caught me off guard. I was like, Kanemaru's going to give him a good one, but Desperado's got this. Mm-hmm. Wrong. I know. Because like, like, Desperado and Hiromi were the finals of last year's tournament and the final in 2020, and they both lost and the top two matches the first night, so that really set the tone for this one, basically expect the unexpected this year. That's it. You you have your expectations. It's like Gado pretty much went, I will give you Hiromu Takahashi not winning it. Yay! Gonna fucking surprise you with everything else though. What? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was a proper monkey's polish. <laughs> yes, I was gonna say. <laughs> Your show will remain and uh, show might have a decent match. Oh, he will remain as a torture. That's bad. <laughs> but you're going to watch him eating a free frogget. <laughs> Ooh. But uh, the frogget is also in part of House of Torture. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Can I go now? But before we move on from Best of Two Jersey, have you got anybody else do you want to shout out? No, I'd, I'd say like, I'm not saying anyone else really had like a bad, bad one. Everyone else did put in their work. Uh, Dan Maloney representing the T-Birds. I mean, United Empire. Um, Robbie Eagles. You know, Robbie. Robbie's a workhorse. Not Kevin Knight doing doing his thing. You know, but I'd, I'd say we've really we've we've definitely covered the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say so as well. Robbie did put a hell of an effort on in the B block. He's it's really good to see him more, more frequently, and he seems to be having a lot more fun with Baron T and DK than he did in Chaos. 
And I remember watching him come out with uh, Fujita, and I like, I have a feeling that these two will be a team in like Super Junior Tag League, and then they're sending uh, Fujita off on Elite Excursion. Like maybe Zach will take him over to the UK or go with Robbie Tay, like Australia, and then come back and be you know, a proper lad as part of TMDK. That's it. TMDK. Morning, lads. Morning, lads. But uh, today will be fit, so we'll, we won't focus on resurgence that much because I only watched three matches from it, if I'm honest with you. But uh, we had the tournament, the big highlight is the tournament to crown the first ever strong women's champion, where we had Mercedes Monet defeat Stephanie Vacure in the first round, and then Kogo lost to Willow Nightingale in another first round match. And uh, I mean, some sections of the Walter Pyramid where they were doing this didn't look as full, but they were very loud, especially when Mercedes came out. You could clearly tell there were people there to see her. So whatever you might think of Mercedes, you know, outside the ring or whatever, or you might, she might not be one of your favourites, it's clearly a draw with these US shows because that place was fucking loud when she came out. But it seems like she was planned to win, but they may have called an audible because... She suffered a nasty-looking ankle injury when she did a die to the outside. They quickly rushed into the finish, and Willow Nightingale, with the, with the move, I didn't realise it was called this, just got rid of the powerbomb. Babe with the powerbomb. Uh, she hits that on Mercedes to win the strong openweight championship, uh, women's championship. Yeah, that's... You could tell. It was definitely audible. Um you know, Will, Will's still relatively, she's she's quite well loved amongst the AEW crowd and that, and you know, she is someone that I think has got long-term potential. Mercedes, like, it doesn't matter how much people can slag her off and that. The woman is a draw. Can't deny yeah. it. Anyone tries saying she's not speaking out their arse. <laughs> I know. Looking, every so often, Ian Riccobano just casually goes, oh, star of the Mandalorian, like, he, and just that one-off reference, it's putting more effort into mentioning that she was in Mandalorian than WWE ever did, which still baffles me. <laughs> it's, it's it's absolutely wild, but you know, she's she's doing a thing, and it, she to me she's in that category of wrestlers where even if you don't like them, you cannot deny if you put that person's name in a card, you will sell tickets. Oh yeah, and. So I just go back to WWE not promoting her in the Mandalorian, like probably because everyone, there's always so many stories about how pop culture illiterate, but the Vince McMahon is. Imagine he's like Ron Swan, so when he hears about her being Star Wars, is Star Wars the one with the little wizard boy. <laughs> or if you want to go for another great Star Wars reference, P- uh, Peter Capaldi in the thick of it. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's, got, he's got the space hairdresser. He's got he's got he's got the pal that the fucking pedal bin. Lego, <laughs> Lego, they're all made of fucking Lego. Star right. Wars, that's it. He spells me a cowboy and uh, all the teddy bears. He wants to shag his sister. His dad's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, we managed to fit a, 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 a Peter Capaldi reference into, into East Meets Best. Uh, and I would I would have it no other way. But yeah, it's, it's really good for Willow to get this kind of accolade, and I'm sure. Or maybe set up a rematch between her and Mercedes when she when she gets better whenever that will be we we don't know but you know speedy recovery to her she's already got fitted a defense in there on Championship Friday also, otherwise known as please watch Rampage it still means something it's still good it's still good on a show that also had Buddy Shabata defending the pure title against Lee Moriarty and 
that they were junior giving Buddy Axe and Andretti's probably his best match ever for the TV title. And she defended it successfully against Emi Sakura. And apparently at the recent Ring of Honor taping, she called out uh, Athena for a future title shot. So she could be a double champion at some point, which is good because if she's not doing anything in AEW, then having her go to Ring of Honor and do uh, Japan on the US shows and try to build a division there. Hell, even let her go for a stardom and defend that belt. So basically all the doors have just opened now for Willow Nightingale after this. Yeah, that's that's it. There's like I'll give it on the side. That that little like Friday night champions thing. It was actually a decent episode of Rampage. Fucking brilliant. So I've not had a chance to to see it fully. I did watch the the Zach Sabre Junior match and then I saw a clip I really want to watch the AAA title match of uh, Drillistico Commander and El Hijo de Vikingo. All I've seen is that bit where they keep dropping down and basically people ripping the piss out of it. Which, I'll give it, funny as fuck. <laughs> yeah, it, it does look a bit odd, I'll, I'll grant you. But I think out of, out of all of them, Commander seems to be the one... Commander and Vikingo, out of, the, out of everybody, seem to be the one who keep... Once you keep making their moves look slightly too choreographed, and then Pearl Joystickle gets dragged into it. It's like, no, no, bring it back down. Okay, yes, boss. Yeah. Like, I remember those stories like people like GDP and uh, Matchman used to put it right down their matches beat for beat. But there are clips that I saw of this match, it looks like they're like, okay, bit one, you remember a bit two, right? Set up for that one, right? Here we go. That's it, into bit three, and jazz hands. <laughs> uh, I, won't, I won't keep on that tree any further otherwise I'll sound like fucking Jim Cornette old man yelling at Cloud <laughs> and you never want that so we also had it resurgent the main t- talking points were with Kenta we gained the strong title because okay uh, I don't see why we had to do the quick swap anyway but I'm happy to see Kenta with a belt and apparently he beat Nick Wayne for the Defy Championship recently which I'm assuming is basically freeing up Nick Wayne because I'm pretty sure he turns 18 in a month and he'll be right on AEW as soon as he does. Yep, that sounds about right. Because um, mm-hmm. I might why give it to Hikuleo just to put it back like that. But, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> I know. And it's not as if they don't have plans for Hikuleo because like, both he and Kenta Spoilers will be in the, the G1. So it's not as if they're both busy and can't defend it, like they're both going to be in that tournament, so I don't think it really matters between the two who who carries the belt into the G1. You know, it would be different if one of them wasn't going to be in it, because you remember they took it off Tom Lawler right before he went into the G1. Aye, that's it, so it just, it just doesn't make any sense, you know, and at the end of the strong titles, they just seem to be there now. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that a lot in the last episode. Uh, well, Osprey, did beat Tanahashi to advance in the uh, US title and what will to him. We'll talk about his match with Lance Archer in a minute, but it did feel like uh, the two first round matches, this was the one you had to pay attention to because the case of whoever wins this is going to fight Kenny, but everybody knew all signs were pointing towards Osprey. Yeah, that's that's it. We, we all knew where this was going. Mm-hmm. Tanahashi was just there to be a good man and give at least a decent looking match and lie down and take the pin yep <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the long story of it but 
you know, Tanahashi versus Wallace Bates, still nothing to be to turn your nose up at. The final thing I'll mention about Resurgence was we had a street fight between uh, Fred Roster and Juice Robinson because of you know, the whole angle that happened at the last big US show in, in Washington. And then a wild Tony Storm appears. Which was completely unexpected. But, uh, you know, Juice, Juice's wife came out and gave, gave him a hand. This is also very a confusing, <laughs> confusingly booked story because, like, Juice is an arsehole. He's on AEW's for Bullet Club Gold and everything, and he's like beating out Ricky Starks and everything and FTR. But here, I think he's to face here because, buddy, Fred Ross was the one that brought Tony Storm into it, and then he, who used to be the big babyface champion of Strong, sees Tony Storm trying to get involved and. At least you think you do it. Ah, I'll force myself upon this married woman. Because that makes sense. Yeah. Like, have we not learned that this spot is not okay anymore? I mean, Dustin Rhodes tried it with Jake Hager's misses in 2020 and we booed it then. So why would it be okay post-speaking out now? But it's just, it, it never works. So just please stop it. I mean, I don't have any proof of this. I was wondering why Fred Rosser, I thought actually they might take a chance on him and put him in the G1. But in my conspiracy theory world, I like, they thought, like, nah, he doesn't deserve it after actions like that. Absolutely not. Get him right to fuck. No, we, we regret to inform you that Fred Ross has been sent to six weeks of seven sensitivity training. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on to the real, like, on to the big one, uh, this thing we will uh, talk about, because Security Genesis was unbelievable and I can't even decide which one I like more between this and that and Dominion and I think that's a good problem to have because like there was a big normal containers match, uh, eight man tag and then just title match, title match, title match and even the eight man t- the fact that even the eight man tag didn't feel filler in any way it was like a continuation of this five guys LIG thing set up to the main event which is also an LIG five guys thing is just it really, everything well, saying no filler, all killer, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, this, like, I stand by it. Every year, Dominion will just fucking blow you away. Mm-hmm. Every year, it will put out something that just is absolutely unreal. And they've done it again. Dominion gave us everything that we wanted and surprises. But uh, it's sandwiched between two tournaments and other companies that might seem like. Uh, and hindrance against it, but really it actually benefits New Japan because they can blow some stuff off right before G1. And you also know that this is around the time of Forbidden Door, so they might set some stuff up there. But also, you know, this is the time where they usually announce the G1 participant, which they confirmed ahead of time they would do. So, in all idea of the matches they look forward to, be like, oh, this is going to be a very buzz with the show. Who's it going to be? Who is it going to be? Show <laughs> me the names. <laughs> Show me the names, show me the names. <laughs> but, I mean, the biggest, we got we had some surprises at the show, but the biggest surprise, the most welcome, obviously, was the return of Gino Gambino, return of 2023 already. That's it. That's it. Wrestling has peaked. Cancel mm-hmm. all wrestling going forwards. It's never going to get better. Alright. Your forbidden doors, your collisions, fuck your CM Punk. I don't care if he comes back. The, sec- the real second coming was here at Dominion when Gino Gambino returned and to, to witness a glorious Doki Choki. The Doki Choki! 
Kevin. Okay, okay, Kevin. <laughs> you did, you want to briefly see him as some guys are brawling past the guardrail and fair play to Dino for losing a considerable amount of weight as well. They joke about him slimming down for Super Juniors, which he and Joe are like, oh, I'll never get to 100 kilos, but he's looking good now. He's fucking getting close to it by the looks of it. I was like, holy shit, he is looking absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I know. What a guy, what a guy. But we do we do open the show with a very quick, I think it was only like eight minutes, uh, Archer versus Will Osprey and one hell of a match, which we knew the winner of, but Archer looked cool with his entrance mask. And, you know, I've said it before when we talked about in the G1, but Archer just goes to a new level. He puts on a different kind of show when he goes to Japan. And it's cool because of how pissed off he is about not being used in AEW. That's it. It's like, for fuck's sake, I'm off to Japan. Fuck you. <laughs> like, someone slaps, so he can slaps in the bag and he just like, you're not being used. That's it. Back to Dominion. That's it. Uh, Fuck this. I'm out here. Yeah. I like to think he imagines every time he goes to Japan, every person he sets in the ring with in his mind is Tony Khan. Just walking around the ring, just absolutely clapping by the young lions as he goes. That's it. Just bang, 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 bang. It's like, it's like that, me- that meme video of the guy in Australia and he just slaps the kid oh, yeah. and then everyone comes up to him and just starts slapping them all. That's what I thought about that angle he did when Buddy Mark Briscoe went up the ramp and started pushing Jada, Sanjay, Karen and Jaleesa out the way. That's what I, what I thought when I, when I saw that moment. But, like I said, only eight minutes. Osprey gets the win. And, like, in the past, it would have been like, oh, people like Vince Russo would tell you, oh, a guy of Osprey size can never believably beat a guy of Buddy Archer's size, but Osprey's proved there's an easy way for a guy his size to beat someone big like Archer. Just repeatedly elbow him in the fucking head as hard as you can. That's it. It's like chop him down to size, and if you can get an elbow to the head, doesn't matter how big they are, it's going to fucking hurt. Yeah, I think he got like nearly four of them in the end, the hidden blades, to a point it wasn't so hidden anymore. Uh, so because he went fast, they try to repeat the, the choke slam to the table, but Osprey managed to avoid that. Like less than a couple minutes, then he's recovering from a shoulder injury. What will I do? Oh, I'll do a twisting, twisting crossbody to the outside. That oh, that makes sense. Of course. What what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, right. not like I just made a video like less than a month ago saying I don't know how much time I got left to make here. Like, like that. There's a video online. Like, shall we do the responsible thing? Never. Never. Let's make poor decisions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, Ball Street, like I said, wins four forbidden, four hidden blades to Archer, and he gets the win. Kind of shows respect afterwards. and basically calls Kenny immediately, saying he wants him at Forbidden Door. But the most entertaining part with Osprey was backstage. His comments where he said, "Where did we get this idea that all Canadians are nice? Look at the evidence. Chris Jericho, our soul. Don Callis, our soul. ELP, our soul. But he." Fucking Bret Hart just moans all the fucking time. I I have an idea in the back of Will Ospreay's rant against Canada. When he comes out at Forbidden Door, <laughs> all I ask is that they replace his theme music with Blame Canada. Oh, don't you threaten me with a good time. I'd <laughs> <laughs> oh, be looking amazing. I would actually lose my shit. Imagine them just having a mini orchestra like that for the South Park concerts, and it's like, we're getting, a, we're getting an orchestral version of Elevated? No. Blame yeah, Canada. Even, 
even then, we want to get heat in Canada. Just come out with something that looks vague, like something that Buddy, that Buddy Shawn Michaels would wear, or get El Hebner to accompany you. Then you'll get heat in Canada. Ooh. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> then the second match on the show, we had uh, Takamichi Noku, Doki, Karamaru, Taichi taking on Naito, Shingo, Bushi, and Titan. We had they had a similar match uh, at the finals. Of the Super Juniors, but he also replaced Tita with Hiromu and uh, Taka with uh, Tsunada. Both of them were absolutely phenomenal eight-man tags, but we had Taka tapping out to Tita in this one, which I think is a case of like, oh well, five guys are going to win in the main event, we might as well give LG something. <laughs> give them a little win. Just a little one. A little taste. <laughs> I mean, it was fun, like I said, even though this also delivered, it's the one I've got less to say about, because not much, much, not, much, not much I can say. Even the dog's not happy. <laughs> no, no, he is not. <laughs> so we got to our very first uh, title match, and the third match. Uh, just over 10 minutes, we had Cats 2-2 regaining the junior heavyweight tie titles from... Uh, the international jet set or the intercollegiate jet set, whatever you want to call them. But what I love about it, I mean, pins constantly been broken up. You couldn't tell where guys were going to come from. And, uh, I really thought Kevin Knight was going to get it for his team, but fortunately it was two on one. They got the, the double knees. They had Dan Maloney in the corner of Catch 2 2. And they became two tight jammies. I loved how happy. Uh, Akira looked, even Kieran Kelly went like, there's nobody in all of Japan happier than Francesco Akira right now. So before we get to the big talking point of what happened afterwards, let's talk. Let's get your thoughts, Grant, just on the match itself. Right, so this was the this match was, in my opinion, fucking beautiful. <laughs> it was actually, it was a really good, absolute fantastic match. Again, going on this whole theme that Gedo seems to have now of people sometimes doing the win defence and swap over with titles. Mm-hmm. But I can't deny Catch 2-2 two, two are just a great a great tag team to watch. So I wasn't disappointed in them regaining those titles. Mm-hmm. I know, it's hard to, to feel about it because like, they've been such a great team. We, we saw that in the last couple of matches against like, Leo Rush and Yo and then against uh, Karamanu and Doki. Like, they really have helped light, light a fire in the division. So you're happy from that sense, but then you're wondering, like, what the hell are you actually doing with Kushida and Kevin Knight at this point? Like, what is even the plan for these two? So, you know, it's it's 50-50 there in terms of how you feel about how the guys look coming out of it. But yeah, Dan Maloney there, like, oh, he, he stayed especially an extra week just to be in the corner of these guys. Then it comes Clark Connors. He walks in the ramp and Dan Maloney's because he had a match uh, on the last day of B-Block. For the three years, he's square. I'm like, what's he? What the fuck's D1? And TJP's holding them back and holding them back. And they're looking out at Corners and Corners, basically throwing out a challenge like him, you two versus me. He turns to the ring as if someone's going to come out, then turns back to the ring. And then the biggest shock thing that Dan has been involved in since Dan, since Alan Partridge found out that Dan was one of the sex people, <laughs> uh, Dan Maloney <laughs> betrays Kitch Tutu, betrays the United Empire. And reveals that he is actually now part of Bullet Club. Yep, that that was. Like, I I just knew that was coming. It, it just <laughs> felt, it just felt like it was going to happen. And even though I knew it was going to happen, it wasn't a bad thing. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, like, I was just like, oh, you bastards. Like, I mean, we, only, we didn't get to see that much from in United Empire, but already it feels like, yeah, given what Finley's trying to turn this new Bullet Club into, it feels like he's already more fit for that than he ever was for the Empire. Yeah, like the whole thing with the Empire. I, I was quite surprised, but I wonder if this was just always the kind of goal with Dan was to bring him in under the whole Empire idea just to have the switch over to Bullet Club and as we'll come to other stuff later it feels interesting for the club at the moment yeah and like they even helped tell the story in Rare Pro where they had Gideon Grey and that putting opponents for a damn already a build up you thought to a match against Osprey but Osprey were like no I'm building you up to be a killer for, for us in the junior division I want you to join the United Empire so in Kifi Osprey has basically helped build Dan Maloney up into a killer vouch for him to get a job in New Japan and now Dan Maloney has just threw that and shit right back in his face and went and joined an enemy group. Yep, just completely it's like, oh yeah, I built you, oh shit, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? Go. That did not go how I thought it would. Uh, I know they're in separate weight classes, but if this doesn't lead to at some point a Dan Maloney will Osprey match, then Go on, if hot guys, you need to have this because I would love to see it. Make it happen. Absolutely make it happen. Fucking Dan Maloney's backstage comments, his main thing being like, he realised that there are boys and there are men in, in New Japan. And he realised that after his match with Clark Connors that the other two were just boys because TGP was nowhere to be found. He wants to go for a drink. goes, Akira, do I go for a drink? goes, uh, maybe, maybe we go for bubble tea. Fucking bubble tea? Oh, what a fucking bam! <laughs> and uh, basically, because Clark Collins was willing to go for a drink after they beat the show, you realised, like, you know what? I like you. Me and you should be pals now. Did you just become my new best friend? Yep. I mean, and then they beat them down some more in the backstage comments, so really getting these two over. That's it. They, they've, they've made it work. <laughs> yes. The Wild Malonies, as I will now call them. Oh my fucking god, that's brilliant. I like that. That's that that's that sticks. That sticks. <laughs> then it was a shame because then you had two matches after that had United Empire in it and you're thinking like, how does this affect them going into it? You can explain that for a while they didn't win mentally. You even had Ari makes a mention of it in his backstage comments like, Yeah, you little punk, you're gonna get what's coming to you. But Jeff Cobb versus Zach Sabre Jr. Zach finally manages to get a win over call for this time with just eight and a half minutes. This is Zach's ninth defence since winning that title in January. And since fighting Jeff Cobb, he's, he's defended it against uh, he's defended it against Rocky Romero, AR Fox and Action Andretti. So he's managed to fit three failed defences, two of them in the same week that he fought buddy Jeff Cobb. Aye, honestly, fucking ZSJ is just fucking workhorse. And this TV title gimmick is... I stand by it. I still think it's one of the best gimmicks going for a title in modern wrestling at the moment because... What a way to keep people interested. Just nice, quick, 50 minutes maximum. That's it. We're not going to take any more than a, than a break at your work. Fucking perfect. I know, like, say what you want about the design of the belt and the idea of, like, New Japan maybe having too many titles, but you can't deny these matches are delivered. Zach's working fucking overtime to make it feel like one of the most important belts going right now. And hell of a match. It, it felt like a very blinking on this kind of match compared to what else we got in the card it was a really good like change of pace after that bloody 
So you know, it's uh, on the, the emotion of the betrayal of Dak Maloney. You got like, oh, here's a big quick between these two. He's that clearly learned, and he managed to get the win now with his superior tickers. <laughs> but also, like at the same time, he's been in Ring of Honor, quoting Bloody Blackadder where he tells some someone Joseph he's got a cunning plan. But because he did talk in his Betsy comments like Forbindo, got a few ideas for Forbindo. It's not even a Forbindo anymore, or like a naughty door. But it does feel like all signs are pointing to Joe versus Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, at Forbindor, which really, given that Joe is maybe defend representing uh, AEW as well, this is a feed entirely built on Ring of Honor. I don't even think the hardcores of both companies are even watching right now. Yeah, the whole idea of ZSJ vs. vs. Joe is, don't get me wrong, it's an appealing match, but the build to it, as you say, is done in a very, very weird way that to me makes no sense and we will come to a match but I still feel forbidden door while I'm excited for one of the matches I feel we've been robbed of another great one. Oh yeah, we got to wait one more, yeah, another year for, for a match that we really wanted to see. But then we go into a match that was going to be a triple threat feature in Aussie Open, Mark Davis is currently injured, uh, so it was going to be just one-on-one between Yoshashi and Goto versus House of Torture for both the Tron belts and the IWGP tag belts. I think Rio Hanari decided to force their way in because they want United Empire representation. So they teased me, they, they tickled the balls, they made you think that buddy Okan would get some gold once again in New Japan. Uh, after 30 of it, minutes, they kept teasing you and teasing you that Yuzhou was going to steal the win for House of Torture. They finally made sure that didn't happen and well, it's a relief to see Bishamon get it and not House of Torture, the fact that you tease me with Okada and Hanari getting it makes it feel a little, a little less satisfying. Yeah, that's that's the, the this, this this was a match original in paper. I was like, why did House of Torture have to be here? Come on, Bishamon, you dropped the belts, leave it be. Aussie Open, fucking brilliant, absolutely. I, I was heartbroken with the news about Davis. So this match, it's still it was still a fun match, but it, it just wasn't the match that I was looking forward to. Yeah, so for especially when they're getting on, on such a good roll with Aussie Open, but no, it's weird because like yeah, we've seen Bishamon be either GB tag champs before. It is weird as fuck to see them holding the strong belts because I don't see them as a team that would challenge for those belts before. Uh, well, but another thing about Aussie Open though is Aussie Open are now all elite because apparently they did all the stuff in New Japan without a contract and now they've been signed by by Big TK and they have said like this doesn't mean this doesn't mean that we're not gonna be in Japan anymore. We will go after the tag titles again. It's also you look at it when Davis is healthy, they can have that rematch with FTR, but this time potentially for the EW tag titles. Yes. We need we need Aussie Open vs FTR again. It needs to happen. Thankfully, uh, from what I heard, I believe the injury, the knee injury that Mark Davis suffered is not one that needs surgery, much like Will Ospreay's recent injury, so fingers crossed it's not too long that we have to wait before Aussie Open. Hell, can you imagine if Aussie Open, like FTR goes through for Bindor, still champs, come all in in Wembley, if Mark Davis is healthy enough, you know, getting their last match was in the UK, Aussie Open formed in the UK, all in in Wembley, FTR, Aussie Open too. Honestly, if, if Aussie Open are ready for that, if Tony doesn't book that match, he's fucking stupid. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm, I did make some comments, some cheeky comments in our group chat when I heard about the news. I went, oh, can't wait to see him suck on Rampage. She's so still very bitter about the J White of it all. But having said that, he's already got off to a better start because the go-home dynamite before Double or Nothing, he get it. had an absolute belter against Orange Cassidy. That's it. This is the great thing, is that even if Davis is injured, Fletcher is an outstanding singles wrestler as well, so make the best use of it, DK. Do not fuck him up. Yeah. I mean, I want to see Aussie Open continue to tidy for as long as possible, get all the tag team accolades, but I have heard a lot of people also say about how much singles upside that Kyle Fletcher has, and even people have even been comparing him to Will Ospreay and everything, which is obviously a very high praise. Absolutely. Absolutely outstanding ideas. And, you know, then, Fletcher has done a singles match with Shingo Takagi before as well. Mm. Yeah, we'll come back to the G1 because this is where the participants were next. We'll come back to the G1 later on. Uh, oh, we should even, we even mention the post match for the tag team titles when the music stopped and then the music said Bullet Club War Dogs. Like, huh, who is this? Something to do with war. I thought, it's Fally coming out because he's a general. Remember, he fought in the war of New Japan. Salute the man. Uh, I know. It was fucking Alex Coughlin and Gabriel Kidd who absolutely beat the piss out of Bishamon and claimed they were coming for the tag team titles. Uh, what a hell of a statement to uh, to make there. Alex Coughlin, how wide he can keep his eyes out blinking, still unnerved me to no end. And then after the announcement, when they, when those two, along with Maloney and Connors, came out next to next to David Finlay and Gato for Finlay's title defence against ELP, you were like, oh, this is definitely a very new book. I mean, you can finally see this, this new vision coming into play. I like it. It's mm-hmm. it's definitely a good shake-up because Bullet Club has been in massive need of a shake-up for ages and really, what an impressive way to do it. Lots of new blood with lots of potential where it's not the worst thing if they're not exactly successful to begin with mm-hmm. because the potential long-term upside is there. Yeah, and everybody and they basically say like that was this was these guys are all pissed off for one reason or another and said on commentary that that's what Bullet Club was found on. People like Devin and Anderson and Tanatonga all feeling like they weren't getting what they were owed. So they formed Bullet Club and that's what they're doing here. I have heard this foursome of Maloney, Connors, Coughlin and Gabriel Kidd online jokingly be referred to the day of domain as Bullet Club LA Dojo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean, it's accurate. I mean, three out of four. It's, it's not bad at all. It's it's brilliant. I know. But, I mean, this comes shortly after. I haven't going to get a chance to watch on Ring of Honor, but supposedly it was a belt or between Shabbat and Coughlin for the uh, pure title. So, if we continue this crossover, buddy, getting Shabbat showed to confront Finn, like, what have you done to my boys? What have you done to them? My boy. What have you done to my boy? <laughs> He looks at DK Theatre, buddy. Connors battered him in Philadelphia. Like, look how he massacred my boy. <laughs> yeah, good for these guys, you know, getting his potential upside, like you said. To and like, clearly, I've got some big plans for one or two, for a couple of them, as we'll talk about with the G1. But uh, Finlay against ELP, ELP with some brand new music, brand new looking gear. But uh, ELP did not get a win here in this match. Uh, the he said in his backstage comments after this 18. 18- 18 minute and 51 second match. 
clearly he said a lifetime of being an asshole has left me with not a lot of friends so he kept getting distracted on the outside with seeing Bullet Club there so I think the story is like he won't get he'll lose his first couple of attempts at Bullet Club but slowly but surely maybe some baby faces in Hauntai and that will uh, start backing up ELP yep that's that's it like ELP's I, I'm looking forward to where they go with him because he, he's one he's one he's been one of my favourites for a while and it'll be interesting seeing him flipping over to the good guys for once he's one of the good guys good guys <laughs> uh, I thought this would be the semi-main the junior title match but supposedly there was a typhoon and I don't mean the one half of the natural disasters that kept Claudio from getting to the, the venue on time so that had to be moved to the the semi-main spot. Then we had the junior heavyweight title match. This one, 19 minutes, 50 seconds. Again, short. it's short for a bloody Hiromu title on the defence. But his fifth uh, successful defence, Hiromu defeating uh, Master Watto. At this point with a time bomb, people say that, oh, uh, Okada now, when he gives you the money club, it's because you're not worthy of the uh, of his being finisher with the Rainmaker and everything. Is that what the time bomb one has become? Because... He's winning with Time Bomb 2 too frequently to the point, what's the point of even doing Time Bomb 1 at this point? That's it. It, it, just, it just, like, I'm trying to remember if someone else done something like this before and it pissed me off. It's like, stop using your old finisher. Fuck off with it. Get it mm-hmm. done with. I know. <laughs> I also love how much he's, he, kept, he kept going back to Vendable, the, uh, the Master Wattle, the submission move. And they even did a tease of, like, we're going to do the pass-out spot. Roman's going to pass out here. And then... Again, Hiromu is very good at being thrown out by somebody who's a bit stronger than him in terms of the junior heavyweights. So his sale of that big German suplex <laughs> was something else. It was indeed something else. He even talked about Hiromu coming to Mexico to trade for his comeback after injuring his neck and running into Master Raw and trading with him. So they tried to give you as much, as much of a story as possible here, much of a backstory between these two. I feel like this match, the finish was very similar to the main event's finish in that the challenger threw a lot at the champion to make them look credible in defeat. And then when they went for one move once, a big move once too often, the champion didn't wait about the hit. Move, move, signature, finish. You're like not waiting between, waiting that much between moves because we are like, this guy's a threat. I need to put my way now. Right, that's it. It was the, the usual kind of. There it go. Well, just the usual. They got caught out. You know, it's a, it's a it's a trying trusted formula. It's not bad. But it was good. Very good. Uh, Romu, I'm very interested to see what happens with him uh, while G1's on. You know, we got the All Star Junior Festival in the US. We got that crossover show with Impact. So there's a chance to revisit him and Bailey since Bailey did beat him during the Super Junior. So Bailey, by New Japan logic, is owed a title shot. Yep, that's it. It's going to have to happen at some point. Uh, mm. So, in. Oh, sometimes we. I think that Japan can go to the multi-man match, like tag match, well, once too often. But sometimes it produces absolute bangers, which is the case in this semi-main event with the big long entrance through the crowd for Claudio Moxley and Joe Domino taking on the Chaos team of. Well, not technically Chaos because one is not in Chaos, but the team of Okada, Tanashi, and Ishii for the six man titles. Like, I can't tell you how happy I was when I heard it was going to be Claudio as a third member because the third, because Wheeler Year was teaming with Moxley and 
showed a uh, resurgence. So I thought oh, it's gonna be that wee prick, isn't it? Because they wouldn't add Daniel's debut and Danielson debut in a bloody six man tie. They went Claudio kissing you like, oh yes. Like, now we're talking the fucking business. <laughs> oh, and he and he looked great in this as well. I also love that it was Shota and Okada in the finishing stretch because I think the story was very much about the stuff between those two. But Moxley was clearly very happy to be back in Japan, and he got busted open hard way because of course he did. But after a headbutt from Ishii. That's uh, just off. Take that, son. Because <laughs> you, you remember back to like twenty and Easter had a hell of a match in the uh, in the G one, and Chris Charlton had to get the light in. It's a day ending in Y, so John Moxley's going to bleed. That's it. John Moxley bleeds the same way that I go for a shit every day after my morning coffee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, getting that image in my head, but yeah, Okada does suddenly decide that. Shota after 20 minutes is worth his main fissure. It's a landslide and the Rainmaker gets the win over Shota. But as a statement that he chose to use the Rainmaker to get the win. And then at post-match, also gets in and goes, oh, you know, Kara, you see you and you know, you and Tenash, you guys are the best wrestler in the world. That's not true because the Blackpool Combat Club trains with the best wrestler in the world. And he's got a message. And it was a message from Brian Danielson. We challenge because it's a good Okada for Forbidden Door. I almost said Wrestle Kingdom, but well, point the same. It's going to be Danielson Okada at Forbidden Door because they already had a press conference earlier today at time of recording where they had confirmed Omega Osprey for Forbidden Door for the title and Danielson versus Okada. That Danielson promo video fucking chills. Oh. That, that line, you're the rainmaker, but you go in the fucking desert. <laughs> I was like, Arr! I do love they tried to make the moment where he pulled his hood down a big moment. Like, there are certain angles, like, I can clearly see your beard. Like, I know I know it's just an outline or a shadow, but I can clearly recognize that's you, Danielson. That's it. I was just, I'm, I'm actually, I'm annoyed that we're not getting Danielson's ZSJ, but at the same time, mm-hmm. Danielson Okada is going to be fucking beautiful. Yeah, in terms of replacements go getting Danielson Okada and Joe versus Zack Sabre Jr. In terms of first world problem, that's a, that's a big first world problem to complain about. Exactly. Like, oh no, oh no, I've got this. Oh, oh, that's terrible. Where? Oh no, instead of one match with brilliant tickers, I've now got two brilliant matches with excellent tickers. <laughs> I really look forward to seeing what happens with, with Moxley for Bender and the BCC because you know Mostly want to get in there with somebody from New Japan because Mostly just loves being in New Japan. I'm kind of hoping, I'm kind of hoping for BCC v's uh, something like LIJ or something. A man can hope. A man, you, you can dream, yeah. I've heard some people fancy booking a match for Hiromu against someone like a Darby Allen. That that just sounds like who can who can die first. Yeah. Or hell, how about a father and son v father and son match? Get bloody. Or a father and son versus a mad uncle and nephew, buddy Narita and Suzuki feasting and uh, Darby. Oh god, that just sounds like a murder waiting to happen. I don't even know if Narita is a junior, but as a case, like I want to know, like who else? Who in New Japan has a weird da figure they could team against by Darby and his da figure? 
That's it. Has, it has to be has to be short and Moxley, definitely. Right. Oh yeah, I'm not even that. Yeah, I mean, the G1 person, and I was holding out hope, even though I knew it was unlikely that Danielson would be part of the G1. You know, he's been wanting to wrestle in Japan for a while, but he wanted to wait until there were cheering crowds again. So we're going to get this match with Okada. I hope he'll be at Wrestle Kingdom next year because, you know, they're cheering fans about that. Maybe that's where we get him VZSJ. But, oh, Forbidden Door is looking good. We'll talk a bit more about Forbidden Door's potential matches in a bit, but just off these two. It's already a better build than last year's. Aye, that's it. Forbidden Door seems to be actually getting the build that it deserves. Uh, I definitely agree. But then we get our main event. Uh, you were talking about matches being kept you know, short. Uh, 17 minutes, it, didn't, it felt like even shorter, but Yosuji, what was it, the Gene Blast, I believe he's now called, who's now officially a member of LIG, taking on Sanada and... What a hell of a match! Like just right out the gate, fucking Suji, who I didn't realize just how tall he was. How buddy Fosbury flops over the top, you know the same move that buddy Tyler Bate can hit seamlessly. <laughs> so just fucking he. Even even told the story where like he attacks Oka, a attacks Sonata at uh, Dontaku, then buggers off back to finish up his commitments in Mexico, just so Sonata can't get a preview tag and can't prepare for him, and then gets back two days before Dominion. Huge, huge has a plan. <laughs> he does have a plan indeed. His smile is absolutely creepy. Like he has so many teeth. Like he looks like a fucking shark. He's like Bruce Wayne <laughs> Nemo, or the Osmond family. <laughs> <laughs> but geez, what a match! He was, like I said, mostly like the junior heavyweight title match. He was saying like big move after big move, and then Sonata had to find openings after he went for it once too many times. And even though you know, I should get a win given that he's just back from excursion as Suji, fucking Sanada still felt like he was lucky to get out of there, which is a big compliment for Huge. Yeah, that's it. Like the match with 17 minutes. Gedo, Gedo finally learning you don't have to make every heavyweight title match 30 plus minutes. Sometimes shorter is better. And this was exceptionally fun to watch. Absolutely. And. It was a big comment to you. I wonder where he's going here. I mean, even they've already teased some trepidation with LIG where he's kind of demands that everyone get up on the apron to get in the fist bump. Even saying, Shingo, like, Shingo, get off from commentary and come fist bump me. <laughs> Go on, here. You're just insisting on a fisting. That's it. Just, just fist them. Get the fisting done. Come on. You know you want to. <laughs> but. What a hell of a main event, Sonata gets to stand tall. He even says in his post-match that he wants to win the G1 as champion. And he kind of hints that if he had to choose his opponent, it would be Tai Chi for Wrestle Kingdom. Which wouldn't exactly be a bad thing to watch. <laughs> yeah. So, we got... That was Dominion 1, absolute... You know, it was, it was the old Seamus approach, banger after banger after Bagger. You know, nothing we see on this show can do it any justice. Just go fucking watch it if you haven't already. Or even if you have watched it, watch it again. But we got a show that will be... Might, uh, we might get this episode out just before it, but it's not one I'm going to really go at my way for. You know. Another one of these pay-per-views in Japan, like this is the third one you've done this year, New Japan, stop fucking doing that. But enough, you're making me find other links for the US shows because that's also on pay-per-view on New Japan World. But 
we got all together again on Friday, June 9th, where it's All Japan, NOAA, and New Japan Pro Wrestling all coming together for a big like, crossover show. So maybe I'll find time where I can find a feel like or maybe when it goes up on uh, New Japan World and the Archive. But yeah. just a show you really care how much about or you just can maybe get to it whenever. I'm going to just get to it whenever. Um, looking through the... I, mean, I think... Yeah, looking at the card, it's, it is pretty much all tags bar one. Um, the one match that isn't a tag actually kind of surprises me. Yeah, the one match that isn't a tag, we'll get we'll get to that right now, shall we? It's the third match in the card. <laughs> I sent it to you because like I can't figure out why this is a thing. Representing New Japan Pro Wrestling, Shoto Mino. Representing All Japan Pro Wrestling, Yoshitatsu. I was like, wait, what? Who on the preview on New Japan's website is a first time ever singles clash, but Shoto Mino opposite world famous Yoshitatsu. It's a fucking stretch and a half, that is it not? You don't remember his big win on the pre-show Battle Royale at WrestleMania 26 last time in Zack Ryder? No? <laughs> Why not? Yeah, like uh, that's fucking weird. Uh, also, the second match on the card right before that is Kosei Fuji is actually where Junior taking on pro wrestling Noah's Chris Ridgway and Sean Legacy. Who the fuck is Sean Legacy? <laughs> I have he's, he's Chris Ridgway's tag partner, obviously. Never heard of him. Yeah. But definitely, that's actually Junior already talked about he's back to his corners after beating Jeff Cobb. Uh, you know, we've got some history, haven't we, Chrissy? Ah, uh, good old Chris Ridgway. I actually, Ridgway. It's a good wrestler. Mm. Also, we got a Noah versus New Japan match. We've got Strong Style, Suzuki, Desperado, Naria Tikion, Amicha Marafuji, Takeshi Segura, and Junta Iwaki. Hope that I hope I did that right and didn't offend anybody. Then we've got an old Japan team of Jun Saito, Ri Saito, Yuki Honda, Huka Sato, and Dan. The last one just called Dan. Like his first name is fucking Dan. Dan Tamura. Like reading these names, I'm trying to be careful to pronounce because I don't know all Japan that well. Then the last person, Dan. Like all right. Anyway, that, those five take you on the United Empire, Jeff Cobb, Great Okan, Hanare, TJP, and Francesco Akira, which is interesting, given that Akira did originally make his name in all Japan in their junior division. That is interesting. <laughs> also, just from an, just looking at their the team names, this is one of the most interesting matches to me, and it makes the most sense. We have Taka, Kanamaru, and Sanada, who's also the IWGP, which I'm take you on. Tatsuki, Yohei, and the pro wrestling Noah GHC heavyweight champion Jake Lee, a team called Good Looking Guys, which is also featured Jack Morris, but Jack Morris is nowhere to be seen in this card, so boo hiss. But uh, the dream match, and what that actually makes the most sense, we've got Good Looking Guys versus Just Five Guys. <laughs> oh, it's so perfect. But the main event, I don't want to mention every match, but the main event is Tanahashi, Kento Miyahara, and Kaito Kiyomiro. Taking on Okada, Yumayagi, and Keno. So basically, you got top names, a top name from New Japan on each side, a top name from All Japan, and a top name from Pro Wrestling Noah on each side. Oh, I got reminded of something sick to do with Keno and Kiyomiya, where somebody put a gif out and said, This is still a big, the sickest bump of 2023. It's from that New Year's Day show 
where Ken, basically Kenno hits a bloody falcon arrow onto Kenno Kiyomiya on the fucking ring apron, except Kiyomiya is not taking the sit-out bump, it, no, but Kenno is not taking the fucking sit-out bump, you know, it's just all, all Kiyomiya, all back on the apron. It's absolutely horrific. It makes me feel ill. And I know we're not top of every match, but just for some reason, these two names make me laugh. The fact that we've got Hayata and then Rising Hayato, and I'm like, is this like a Pokemon evolution? <laughs> you get get enough points to go up to Rising Hayato. It's like it goes from uh, Hayata to Rising Hayato, then suddenly Master Wato, and I was like, they fucking missed an opportunity here. Like New Japan's all over the show. Then there's one that's just a Noah VE All Japan team, and I just automatically just skip right over that because like don't know them, don't care. We're not here for that. We're here to talk New Japan. Of course. But speaking of New Japan, we have the biggest tournament of the year. We love this as New Year's, but the big one, the one we everybody looks forward to, the G1 Climax. We got all the participants innings. And last year was 28 people, was it, last year? In the four blocks? Yep, it was. But this year, we've got, we not one match of the Drift Town, we've got 32 people. Maybe I think realistically could do four blocks again if they wanted to. But I think maybe that would be eight people instead of seven like last year. So let me give you the lineup. I'm just going to do it in the order I have it on this uh, New Japan website page. We have Okada, Naito, Sanada, Osprey, Roshi Tanahashi, David Finlay, Shotouma, his first G1, Shingo, Tomiyoshi, Tamatonga, Tangaloa, Ekaleo. Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi, Toriyano, Kenta, Zack Sabre Jr., Taichi, Eddie Kingston in his debut. She got a big reaction from the crowd. El Fantasmo, Brendan Rhea in his debut. Evil, uh, Derek Campbell's favourite. Chase Owens, Jeff Cobb, Great Okan, Hanare, and then a bunch of debuts here, one after the other. Gabriel Kidd, Alex Coughlin, Shane Hayes, Mikey Nichols, Yotasuji, and Kaito Kiyomiya. <laughs> See the sheer amount of debuts in this one actually looks fucking brilliant. Like, like, like they did all th- the first day one, then they like big green lettering came up to that day read, and then Kaito Kiyomiya's name came up, and there was a massive oh from the live crowd because <laughs> also there was a reason they said that. I heard so many rumors about him being in this, especially after he lost the GHC title to to Jake Lee. Oh, if he's not in the same block as Okada to get some revenge. From that Noah show where he got absolutely made a fool of by Okada, then come on, you're leaving money on the table. But well, after all 32 were announced, the one that Buddy do you know want to keep coming back to is and Mikey Nichols. Uh, Mikey, Mikey's back. <laughs> and do you know that throughout the whole night of Dominion seemed to be what it seemed to want to be both on Team Diki and Bullet Club at the same time. So I was like, this is interesting. And I, one name as well that stood out for me, and you'll probably agree with me on this, exciting to see him back, Tangaloa. Yeah, I, I started to wonder where the hell he, where the hell he'd gone. Like, even well before Wrestle Kingdom, we hadn't seen him. Also, the fact that he, him, Tamatonga and Tangaloa and uh, Hikaleo were all named one after another. That's it. I'm just like, wow, that's... Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to look at the block. Like I'm trying to think. Like how are they going to do? Like the four blocks again, or how would I want this to go down? Who do I want to see face who? 
and to be honest, all I keep going in my head is Kio Mia against um, Okada because I want to see the two of them bar fuck each other again. And for some reason, I really want to see Eddie Kingston batter the fuck out of Yoshihashi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, the obvious answer is that Eddie Kingston needs to be in the same block as both Ishii and or Shingo. <laughs> Just put all three of them and a couple other guys in that block. We'll call it the big bastard block. That's it. The big, the big bastard block would be brilliant. Make that B block. Aye, the triple B block. Big bastard block. <laughs> the real triple B L A M G F. Not big Burberry belt. The big bastard block. Trademark. We've, we've called it. We've called it. I mean, Kimio and Okada, like you said, has to be in the same block. That either needs to be a main event for like the first night of both men's first match, or it needs to be a maxi save to towards the end and. We see the idea of maybe Kiyomiya beats Okada to go through for a block and maybe set up a rubber match down the line between those two. Definitely. Um, put ELP in the same block as Osbury. Oh, yes. I do love how many like of the obvious ones get named at the start and then as you go on, that's when all the surprises come in. I, I know that sometimes you need to put some guys in there who will probably take some pins if you have a larger group. So I'm assuming that Maybe as much as I like them, TNDK won't get a lot of wins. Uh, Coglin and Giro Kid will have a good effort, but maybe not get a lot of wins in their first one. But fucking big up, big nod for them to, to get in this. I'm assuming that one of them will get a win over one of the members of Bishamon to help set up that inevitable tag title match. As is usually, I think, is what they did with uh, Aussie Open in the, in the New Japan Cup to set up their tag title match. But I'm glad that even a team of 30, a group of 32, they still didn't feel the need to put Yujiro in there because I could not deal with Yujiro getting another big one that he shouldn't get in a G1. Not going to lie. I would have swapped at Evil for Yujiro just to annoy David Campbell. <laughs> like, he beat fucking Ibushi in like 2021, I think it was, or 2020. And then fucking last year gets wins over like David Finley, I think. Like, who, who, why? Why are you even in this tournament? But then we got to sit through Chase Owens like, ah, welcome back, Chase. Wait, hang on. I just thought of something. We could get ZSJ vs Tai Chi. Oh, don't do that to me. <laughs> oh, you don't, you don't you do that. Emotional damage. <laughs> By emotions. By emotions. Oh, Tai Chi needs to somehow defend that title at fucking Forbidden Door, that KOPW title. Who against? I don't know, but go on. Make it happen. Make it happen. I mean, I don't even want to get into potential matches until we get uh, until we get an actual block. All right. So what we're going to do, uh, we're going to have an episode in early July because the last Saturday or last Sunday of June is when Forbidden Door is, and then we've got three weeks until until the G1 starts. That's starting on Saturday, July 15th. So we're going to do an episode where we look at Forbidden Door from a New Japan perspective in terms of who got what happened in those big matches where those guys go from there into the G1 and hopefully by then we'll have an actual announcement about who's in what block and everything in their schedule for shows. That's where we'll do an actual, a proper G1 preview because we'll have a better idea of who's going to go against who, who could possibly go through in each block because now, now it's just guesswork at this stage. That's it. There's, there's far too many variables between here and things getting sort of finalised so we will be back with you people with the beautiful, beautiful G1 preview and the Forbidden Door Fallout. Yes, absolutely, because 
as like as because there's like when you get the actual blocks, you get that's when you get excited. Oh, that means we're gonna get him versus him at some point in the in the tournament. And then when you see champions, and everything you can see, or oh, you could get a banana and get a title shot. But especially given it's Sonada, I don't think anyone expects Sonada start this year to walk in the G1 as IWGP champion. So whoever's in the same block as him can be interesting. Like, can you imagine Sonada? Kiyomura and Okada all in the same block. Like, can you see Sonata tangle with a former GHC heavyweight champion? That's this actually sounds fucking brilliant. There's too much well, potential. There's too much potential. Also, maybe put Renner in the same block as Sonata because Kevin Kelly or Chris Charlton, one of the two, but a really interesting factor in the main event Dominion, where the last New Japan contract had started pin Sonata in a singles match was Ren Narita during the TV title tournament. The reason they say for the New Japan star is because obviously he lost to someone from Pro Wrestling Noah during the that crossroad show your career, but that doesn't count. So no, it does not. <laughs> so anyway, I can be like, hey, I'm even much better. I've won a title since then. So come on, me and you, I don't care if you're the world champion. I've beaten you before. And hopefully the G1 will bring back to prominence our Lord and Saviour, the Great Okan. All hail. All hail. Yeah, he's still get he's still yet to get that standout fucking G one performance that I've been hoping for, but who knows, maybe maybe this year. Maybe this year. The only people I, I'm surprised aren't in this. I I actually wondered if some juniors might pop into it, like maybe they might sneakily sneak like El Desperado or Hiromo in there. No Suzuki this year and uh, as I said before, no Fred Rosser. Or Tom Lawler or anybody like that. That's it. The uh, to an extent I'm surprised by it, but at the same time it feels very fresh. A lot of the LA do- dojo boys have graduated. This is their mm-hmm. time to shine. S- stables have really transformed quite a lot. We've lost Suzuki-gun. We've got TMDK. We have just five guys. We've got a revitalised LIJ. Mm-hmm. Bullet clubs under yeah. and and new management. It's This feels unpredictable. It really does. I know, to be talking about LIJ, getting to see... Uh... Getting to see in this, like his first match in the G1 will be his second ever, only his second singles match since coming back for Scourgeon. And given he went from a title match into a bloody into a bloody G1 match, his first two singles matches, like that's a fucking push right in the gate that very few get. Aye, like even the likes of, well, I'd say like the last big debut we've had on that caliber of coming in and just making a, an impact was Jay White and even then it was the Intercontinental Championship for Hiroshi Tanahashi this is yeah. a different level then he went right to beating Omega for the US but like because the promo package for the Dominion match was really hating up like could this be like when Okada came back and beat Tanahashi and hell they talk about how you know basically I know it's funny they're going to take Ada where they used to call it Bizarro World that's what Osaka is for New Japan because they tend to go off the beaten track and cheer the person they're maybe not supposed to because there were a lot of loud cheers for Suji during that title match. Oh yeah, that's it. Like the huge, huge got a big pop. Huge, huge indeed. But we've been talking for close to an hour and forty minutes. My voice is starting to go. <laughs> uh, we'll be back to break down the actual block when we have them, and that's when we can start to pinpoint who might be win this thing. And we'll be back to hopefully talk about uh, absolutely outstanding. Forbidden because like even though it didn't have a great build last year, so many people talked about Forbidden Door as potentially one of the best AEW periods and even the best 
pay-per-view overall of last year. And so with a decent build, it can only go up from here. So we'll have a lot more to talk about uh, next month. Oh, yes. And I cannot fucking wait. And then we'll have the G1 and then we're hot on the road. Every show is important because that means we're on the road to Wrestle Kingdom once again. Fucking hell, I can't believe it's already coming around to that time again. Jesus. I know, where does the time go? Anyway, thank you for listening. <laughs> Make sure to follow you Suplex at SuplexVG on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, even TikTok as well. But like our community page, get involved in the conversation, answer the big question that, have, that gets posted up when Jack Graham remembers. Uh, free SSR Central gets Rick answers read out on SSR Central every week. It comes out on a Wednesday, usually in a studio. We were in studio last week, we're not in one this week. But uh, next week's studio time will resume. But you know, that Saturday live or Saturday, East meets West, when we can get it. We're used sometimes on a Tuesday, but things something you get moved out. This episode probably won't come out on a Tuesday, but you'll know that if you're listening to it right now. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Stay tuned for our, as Grant said, our Forbidden Faller and G1 preview coming soon. We might even have a guest for that. We're, we're working on something. But tell them, make sure you follow the podcast, like us on a Android podcast and platform, you can get your podcast. And until then, Grant, this has been a long, long discussion about a hectic month, and we wouldn't have it any other way, but I am fucking shattered. That's been an absolute pleasure, and yeah, I can roll in next month. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.